0: Well, good morning again. Welcome to St. Paul's. Whether you're joining us online or in person as we begin our Advent preaching series, Light at the End. We are so glad that you're here. Amnesty International was founded in 1961 by a British lawyer, Peter Benenson, who was outraged when he read about two young Portuguese men being jailed for raising a toast of freedom uh, in a local bar. Portugal was under fascist rule at the time. Now, Amnesty is clearly a non-religious NGO, but the international symbol for the organization, I think, is perfect for advent. A candle wrapped in barbed wire. Light wrapped in darkness, joy straining against pain, happiness being choked By injustice. There isn't any barbed wire around uh, the candles on our Advent wreath, but these candles, they serve the same purpose. And with each candle being lit over the next four weeks, they're telling us that we're on a different timetable than the rest of the world. There are plenty of calendars that shape our daily lives. The school calendar. What? Another PD day? Fiscal year-end, your biological clock. All of them with their own concerns and values. And by the way, somebody did buy me the Prosecco Advent calendar. It's fantastic. But the Christian calendar puts today, the first Sunday of Advent, as the beginning of a new year, starting as the days get darker. And it's as if our Christian calendar, right out of the gate, is telling us that it's going to get darker before it gets light. Each week, we will light candles, but the darkness will still increase until the Earth turns the corner on December 21st. We know that summer is coming, even when we had to get out our snow shovels this morning. right? You know that when you're awake at 3.30 in the morning scrolling through tweets, you know the morning is going to come. But the summer, nor the morning, None of them will be rushed. You have to wait. Our passage this morning that Natalie read from the Gospel of Luke, it's not feel good, it's not quotable, it's not even easily understandable, especially if you're new or spiritually searching today. But if you wanna pull it up on your phones, it's Luke 21, uh, 25 to 36, or it's on page 85 of the Bibles in front of you at the back end because it's a passage about waiting. It's about the good news of the end of the world. And since we're all waiting for something, the marriage to improve, condo prices to come down, or Bumble to finally match you with someone decent, let's dig into this strange passage and see how the end of the world might just be the good news that we need this coming week. Context, Jesus is coming to the end of his three years of public ministry and he's beginning to prepare his inner team of disciples for his approaching death. He's teaching them, encouraging them, and giving them some specific pieces of information about what is coming down the pipe. And just before the passage that we read today, Jesus has warned them about the impending physical destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which was the center of civic and religious life for the nation of Israel. And that was actually a catastrophic event that did in fact happen AD 70, uh, with uh, the Roman army led by the future Emperor Titus ransacking the city. And the famous mosque, the Dome of the Rock, now stands on the site of that destroyed temple. So Jesus had just warned them that the entire building was going to come tumbling down. When's this going to happen? They wanted to know. And in response, to make things even more disorienting, Jesus then tells them to lift their eyes above the rubble of the destroyed temple and to look to the horizon of eternity. When the world as we know it comes to an end. Jesus tells them that the sky will be rolled up, that the stars will fall like pearls from a broken necklace, the moon smudged dark, and the Son of Man, a Jewish title for the Messiah, will come again, the second coming, in great power and glory. Now, Jesus didn't tell them this to scare them. On the contrary, it was meant to comfort them that even something as catastrophic as the end of the world was in God's good hands. And they were to remember that when that fateful day happened and modern physicists would fully agree with Jesus that it is going to happen, they were to remember that God is also sovereign over darkness as well as light and that the end of the world is actually good news. So wait and be alert. And this is the issue. Regardless of when the physical world does end, and throughout history, people have always thought it was going to end in their lifetimes, and God is not bound by our linear understanding of time, or how you think the world is going to end. The four main scientific theories are the big freeze, the big crunch, the big change, and the big rip. Regardless of when, regardless of how, we, online and in person, We're stuck in the middle between the first coming of Jesus that we're about to celebrate and his second coming at the end of time. And the truth of our in-between lives is that they're going to involve hardship and pain as well as gladness and joy. They're going to be candles wrapped in barbed wire because the truth of life is that God lifts no one above persecution and suffering, not even his son. God's plan has never been to insulate people from the rain, but to prepare us for the storms that are to come. So how do we wait and be alert? And how is the end of the world good news? Well, for starters, it's good because Jesus is telling us the truth. It's an accurate assessment of real life, right? Buildings come and go, empires rise and fall, marriages fracture, pandemics begin, and the world is going to end. Christians are the ultimate realists. No heads in the sand here. Life is beautiful and hard. Your sister can be funny and annoying. Your wife can make your heart skip a beat And bring you to despair like no other. Migrants die in boats and music is composed that takes your breath away. Amidst the brokenness and beauty of everyday life, Jesus is telling us that it's still all adding up to something. Everything that looks so random, so bereft of purpose or hope, all the loneliness, suffering and doubt. All the wars and refugees and depression, all the hopes and fears of all the years, they're all adding up to something. It's going somewhere. Which is immensely good news. Because by the time the physician Luke had recorded these words of Jesus, life was pretty grim. The stars were still in the heavens but that was about it. Jerusalem lay in ruins and the Roman Emperor of the day Uh, like to devise creative ways to torture Christians. Surely this was not how things were supposed to turn out. Surely God's plan for the future was like some successful urban renewal project. You know, like the brickworks or the distillery district. Not this darkness and chaos. Not climate change and COVID variants. And yet, verse 33 heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The promise here is that God is present and acting within human history, the good and the bad, the ugly and the beautiful to bring about an amazing conclusion where the world will be brought to completion, rolled up and a new world will unfurl, where death will be no more and where God will wipe away every tear. The world began when God said, let there be, and it is done. Uh, The world will end when Jesus says, it is done. And each of us is living our lives in between, let there be, and it is done. Jesus is telling us the truth this morning. He gives an accurate assessment of life. And that's always good news. The world is going to end and we live in the complicated in-between time. But how are we to wait? Basically, there's two ways. We can wait anxiously or hopefully. And rushing to the world's finish line is not an option. It's not in our control. But how we wait is. Anxiously. And by anxiety, I am not talking about significant mental illness. It touches my family, and I'm sensitive to the issue. But I am talking about an approach, an approach to daily life. And we will live with that barbed wire of anxiety if, one, if, if we haven't learned that it's normal to have troubles, to have suffering. If we've been tricked by our social media feed or the fleeting things that money can buy us, if we've been tricked into thinking there's some pain-free existence out there that all our friends have discovered the trick to and we've just missed out on. Or, two, or if we thought this earthly life was all it was, all there is. If we've been tricked into thinking that the numbers of years on this earth, eating, drinking, and being merry, is going to be more than the years after we die. That's a trap. Verse 34. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. If this all there was, I would be totally anxious. Must live my best life now. It's a trap to get too attached to the things of this world. Jesus is saying, because this world is passing away, a new one is coming. Get ready for that one. Or, we wait in the messiness of our daily lives in hopeful alertness, alert for hints of the dawn of the new world shining in the darkness of this present age. And let me be clear, hope is different than optimism. Hope for someone learning how to follow Jesus, hope is trusting in a future that is ultimately shaped by the activity of God, rather than the petty and grand stupidity of human beings like me. British author Leslie Newbigin put it like this, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And American philosopher Francis Schaeffer put it like this, I'm a short-term pessimist, but a long-term optimist. Jesus lives. While the season of Advent tells us that it gets darker before it gets light. Because Jesus lives and sin and death don't get to deal the final hand, our lives can be shaped by a hopeful alertness to the activity of God in our lives, in the lives of our children, Uh, and the lives of the world around us. And so I'm going to end very briefly with a few tricks of the trade. Ways to wait, hopefully, uh, to be alert in these in-between times. Because as far as I can tell, God simply refuses to operate (laughs) by the same rules that I do. And God has yet to give the divine stamp of approval to my carefully devised personal five-year plan. God keeps slipping wild cards into the deck. And sometimes I wonder if God's hand is only wild cards. If that's the case, we need to be alert all the time, awake, attentive to where God might be acting and speaking to us this very day, November 28th, and then tomorrow. Keep an eye on that fig tree, says Jesus. When the leaves sprout, you know something is up. So some advent tricks of the trade. A surefire way not to be too attached to the things of this fading world is to intentionally turn away from the consumption of this season. My sister-in-law asked me last night if I'd purchased anything on Black Friday and I said no I can't because I'm going to preach against it on Sunday and I can't be a total hypocrite so I might purchase something tomorrow. But our Advent ask and the reverse Advent calendar are small and simple ways to turn away from consumption. And consider giving away more time and money in the next four weeks than you're going to spend on your own festivities. And to be open to where God is at work in our lives, where the candle is burning inside the barbed wire, Prioritize prayer and worship over other activities this Advent for you and for your children. Verse 36, be always on the watch and pray. Every morning when you wake up, a simple prayer. Come Lord Jesus, lead me today. Or in the car as you drop your kids at school. Come Lord Jesus, lead our family today. Light the candles on your Advent wreath at home over supper, whether you're on your own or with a family member. Share what was good and bad in your day and offer both of them up to Almighty God in thanksgiving. Join Advent Compline Night Prayers. It's each Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on YouTube with Karen. Because these habits of prayer and worship Habits of financial generosity, they pry our fingers off of ourselves and our anxieties, and they create space in our hearts for God to get a word in edgewise. Prayer, worship, and financial generosity, they're like a a spiritual shot of espresso to keep us alert in these days of Advent darkness. A shot of espresso, To wake us up to the fact that the end of the world is coming. That the hopes and fears of all the years are adding up to something. And that a God-shaped future is at hand. And that one day, one glorious day, heaven and earth will pass away. And we will be able to stand before the Son of Man. It's going to be amazing. The days are getting darker. But there is light at the end this week, and for all eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen.